the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. It is a free-for-all Friday edition as we get started at 8 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. It's the 20th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a lot of very important things to discuss today, including how we're going to survive the Biden economy, how we're going to survive the Biden inflation, how we're going to survive the Biden fuel prices. And yes, we will continue to refer to them as the Biden fuel prices and the Biden inflation prices every single time we talk about it. If you hear me slipping and not reminding everybody that this is not a Putin price hike, but it's the Biden inflation. And it is Biden energy crisis, the Biden gasoline price hike. If you hear me slipping and not mentioning it, remind me. Let me know, because I want to make sure that we get this out there so that everybody uh, understands. Coming up on the program today in about an hour, at about 10.10, we're going to talk to Dr. John Lott, President, Crime Prevention Research Center. He was the Senior Advisor for Research and Statistics at the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Legal Policy. Worked on voter fraud issues and more. His most recent book is Gun Control Myths. He is speaking out 
about the lies in the mainstream legacy media in which they are claiming that mass public shooters are right-wingers when what they are in many cases, including Buffalo, the most recent situation, uh, they are environmental extremists. Probably why the Buffalo shooter called himself an authoritarian leftist. He believes he is, well, he's a nut, really, quite frankly. Nobody really knows what he believes. But in terms of his manifesto, what he thought to put when he put pen to paper or at least uh, keyboard to screen, he did indeed describe himself that way. Uh, and yet the right, or excuse me, the uh, mainstream media wants to blame the right. They want to blame conservatism. They want to say this guy killed people because he's conservative and because he's racist and because conservatives are racist. I mean, this is bizarre. This is bizarre world. John Lott wrote a great piece about it. I'm going to ask him to explain it to us coming up at 1010 this morning. So he's our only guest today on the docket. And so that means we got plenty of time for your phone calls on a true free for all Friday. So 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those will get you here. You can also, of course, sound off on the fa- or uh, not the Facebook page, beg your pardon, on my web page, which is alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Click the sound off uh, button on the right side of the page. Uh, click record. Send me your message. Just follow the on-screen instructions. It's as easy as pie. And we'll play your uh, questions, comments, uh, and free-for-all uh, contributions uh, right here on the on the radio. Now, before we get started with the news of the day, I would like to ask you to stand if you are a patriot. Face your flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, that's all right. Imagine one. If you are not a patriot, if you are a leftist who believes that this is indeed a Putin price hike, that five fifty nine or excuse me four fifty nine a gallon average gasoline in this country right now well over 550 in some places over six dollars in others if you believe this is not an intentional act by president joe biden brandon and his democrat lunatic gangrene climate alarmists well, then you have no earthly idea what this nation is all about anyway. You don't have to say the pledge. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, though. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all I want to take this right out of the top here, and I want to talk about what's happening to you, what's happening to your monthly budget, your family's budget, your food budget, your clothing allowances, your housing payments. I want you to really, really you know, dig deep into this. What kind of a dent is four fifty nine a gallon on average doing to your budget? What are you not putting in the shopping cart? Because you have to pay for more, more for gas. What are you not buying your kids? Are you going instead of to the department store? Are you going to the thrift store? Nothing wrong with the thrift store. Nothing wrong with the Salvation Army store. But it should be a choice, not something that's forced. Because you can't afford to get your kids what they need to get your own clothes the way you need because of the extraordinary price hikes since Joe Brandon took office. Let's focus on what the gas is actually doing right now. I've got a couple of clips that I want to share with you. Uh, 
And what you're about to hear is a senator doing his job representing the people, not just of his state. He happens to be a senator from Missouri. But his questioning of the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, Biden's energy secretary, former governor of Michigan, where she was a complete and total failure. She describes herself as being, quote, obsessed with solving climate change and creating good-paying, clean energy jobs. That's her bio on her Twitter feed. The Secretary of Energy and the United States of America is run on oil, gas, and coal, natural gas and coal. That is what energy runs the United States. It's the lifeblood of our industry. It's the lifeblood of our blood of our transportation. She's the Secretary of Energy, but does not want to use that energy. She says she is obsessed with solving climate change and creating clean energy jobs. Perhaps that's why this exchange with Senator Josh Hawley took place yesterday. As Senator Hawley questioned the Energy Secretary about Biden's energy policies that have put us into the worst gas crisis since Jimmy Carter in the late 1970s. And in those days, it wasn't as much the cost as it was the shortage. You couldn't get gas. We are dealing with both. The record high, 459 per gallon average uh, 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 per, per gallon of gas, along with the fact that there are shortages already happening in some states, including in Washington State. So it's not just you have to pay more, it's if you can get it in the very, very near future. So these are very important questions that Josh Hawley is asking the Energy Secretary. Let's listen in to see how well she answers them. Today in the state of Missouri, the average price of gasoline today, as of this morning, is $4.10. Average price of diesel is $5.18. And I'm sure you've seen the reporting this morning that now AAA is projecting that gas prices will hit a national average, average of $6 a gallon by the month of August. Is this acceptable to you? No, it is not. And you can thank the activity of Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine and pulling a oh, nonsense. those bills. Uh, with all due respect, Madam Secretary, that's utter nonsense. In January of 2021, the average gas price in my state was $2.07. Eight months later, eight months later, long before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, that price was up over 30%, and it has been going up consistently since. What are you doing to reverse this administration's policies. See, this is where I get frustrated sometimes with uh, even great senators asking great questions because they 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 take their their foot off of the throat of the witness like Jennifer Granholm here. What he just said was spot on. It's what I have said on this program many, many times. I have spotlighted the increase in gasoline costs in the United States from the time Trump left office and Biden took office to before Vladimir Putin ever went into Ukraine. And the price went from around $2 a gallon to well into the threes, into the 330 $340, $350 range, long before Vladimir Putin ever, ever stepped foot into Ukraine, right? And he just did the same thing to, to Jennifer Granholm. But then he switches gears and goes into, what are you doing about it? I want to hear somebody 
and maybe it's just my 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 own interview uh, style, but I want the next question to be, how do you explain that? Gas prices went up from two dollars to well into the threes before. Uh, Putin went into Ukraine, Madam Secretary, on your watch, Secretary of Energy, on Joe Biden's watch, President of the United States, how do you explain that? But he doesn't ask that. I want to put them to the to the uh, you know to the um, you know to the point here. I want to I want to steer them to the, the the real issue here. You're blaming Putin. What are you blaming for the massive increase before Putin invaded? But he didn't ask that. Again, he let his foot up off of her throat, and I think that's a mistake. But we still get some good damage done here. Let's what are you doing to reverse this administration's policies? that are drawing down our own supply of energy in this country, that are throttling oil and gas production in the United States of America. What are you doing about it? With respect, sir, it is not administration policies that have affected supply and demand. How can you say that when the price of gas was up over 30% from January to... uh, Answer my questions. And it's my time, Madam Secretary, so why don't you answer my question? From January to August, the price of gasoline was up over 30%. In my state alone, it has been a continuous uh, continuous upward tick since then. And here's what your president did when he... Now stop and ask her, how do you explain that? That's what I want to know here. Senator first came to office. He immediately re-entered the Paris Climate Accord. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He halted leasing programs in Anwar. He issued a 60-day halt on all new oil and gas leases and drilling permits on federal lands and waters. That's nationwide. That accounts, by the way, for 25% of U.S. oil production. He directed federal agencies to eliminate all supports for fossil fuels. He imposed new regulations on oil and gas and methane emissions. Those were all just in the first few days. Are you telling me that's had no effect on our energy supply? 94% of the oil and gas executives that were surveyed by the Dallas Fed said that administration policies had nothing to do with the increase in the price of oil. I'm not interested in opinions of of these people. I'm interested in the the facts. Are are you telling me that these policies had no effect? Is that your testimony, that these policies had no effect? Are you telling me, Madam Secretary, are you telling me under oath, that these policies had no effect. I'm telling you that 94% of the oil and gas industry... I'm not interested in their opinion. I'm interested in the facts. So, no, they did not ask That is a remarkable statement. ...about the increase in demand and the decrease in supply from pulling Russian barrels of oil off the market, thanks to, rightly, the United States saying, we're not going to take Russian oil. Coming out of COVID... So what explains the increase between January and August? August coming of out of finally coming out of COVID, there was an increase now make in her demand answer. because people were driving again. When there was no demand, oh. the prices dropped. That is a basic law of economics. The prices dropped. I have to say, Madam Secretary, with all due respect, your answers are insulting, and they are insulting to the people of Missouri who are looking for action. They are insulting, but they get away with this. They get away with this because the media will not. Hold them to account for these statements and for these decisions. Senator Hawley was all over it. He finally got to the how do you explain January to to August. And she said, well, people started driving again. Well, I've got news for you. The gas never did that during the entire four years of the Trump administration. And we weren't under COVID for four years. We were under COVID for the last nine months of the Trump presidency. 
That's it. And we were energy independent, exporting energy as a net exporter uh, around the world for the first time in American history during the Trump years. How can you say it's Putin's fault and that your administration or your boss's administration, the branded administration, does not have an impact on the cost of oil and the cost of energy in the United States? Maybe it would be good, since the mainstream media won't go back and look at the priorities of the Brandon administration as expressed by Brandon himself when he was still candidate Brandon and he told everybody exactly what he was going to do. Now, it's one thing for me to play this. It would be another thing if this were played on NBC's Nightly News, on ABC's World News Tonight, on on CBS's, whatever theirs is called. It would be another thing if we were reminded why gas is four fifty nine a gallon on average across this country, because this was the promise of the Democrat candidate for president, who is now carrying it. At, at Could out. there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping pipeline infrastructure? No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. Can we just end the discussion right now? I believe we can. We won't, but I believe we could. That 57 seconds of of Joe Biden should be enough to end this discussion permanently. Any discussion of a Putin price hike. This is Bidenflation. This is Bidenomics. This is Biden crushing the energy sector in this country as he promised he would do. Give him credit for this. Give him credit for being honest. He said back in 2019 that this is what he would do. Here we sit in 2022, and he is doing it. The only thing you you just kind of have to wonder is, how did they expect people to not push back when their gas bills exploded like this? How did you not expect your energy secretary to be to be asked about your decisions and the impact that they're having on the American economy and the American middle class family? Well, we're asking. The mainstream media won't ask. We're asking. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Just underway on Always Right Radio here on AM 1420 The Reflections 
a weekly half hour of spiritual insight with Father Don Fisher, Catholic priest of the Diocese of Dallas. Father Fisher will be reflecting on the Liturgy of the Word this week. Join us every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. here on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.com. All right, hey friends, uh, if you are concerned, and of course you are, about what this administration and all of this Bidenflation is doing to your retirement savings, and we all know exactly what we're talking about here, why don't we start talking about future-proofing your retirement? Hmm? Did you know you can own precious metals like gold and silver and platinum inside your retirement account? That's right. And now it's easier than ever to add precious metals to your retirement savings when you call my friends at Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold is TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company in America. And right now, they're literally paying your entire first year of IRA fees with your purchase of precious metals when you fund a gold IRA account this month. Thousands of investors have been choosing Advantage Gold to protect their retirement with precious metals because of their best-in-class staff, amazing IRA department, and their commitment to customer satisfaction. You'll also receive the best-selling national book, The Great Devaluation, absolutely free when you call that number. It's 800-741-4653 to claim that free IRA fees bonus and open up your gold and silver IRA. Call 800-741-4653 now. Check Advantage Gold out. Trust me, you won't regret it. 800-741-4653. Again, 800-741-4653. Call now. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. And you can thank the activity of Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine and pulling us. Oh, nonsense. Those uh, with all due respect, Madam Secretary, that's utter nonsense. In January of 2021, the average gas price in my state was $2.07. Eight months later... Eight months later, long before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, that price was up over 30%. And it's utter nonsense. Exactly right. How do we know? Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No. We would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Just stop right there. I could end it there. No more oil drilling. No more oil drilling. No more ability for the oil industry to drill. For the oil industry to continue to drill. Oil is the lifeblood that flows through the, 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 the body of the United States of America. It is the blood. We're going to cut off... The blood. What happens to a patient when a patient loses too much blood? A patient dies. Joe Brandon is willing to kill this country in order to appease the gangrene far-left lunatic nut jobs who think that we can replace oil with electric car batteries and not harm the earth. Who think that We're not going to need coal-fired power plants to build those batteries. We're no more coal, no more oil, no more natural gas. And these idiots got votes. 
Now, in no way, shape, or form did they get 81 million votes. The election was fraudulent. But they got votes. A lot of people heard this and voted for it anyway. To those people, I say, you owe me a hell of a lot of money in political reparations. I think everybody who voted for Brandon to stop all oil drilling, to cancel all fracking leases, to stop uh, uh, the fossil fuel industry in its tracks, anybody who voted for that is literally responsible for you and me paying four fifty nine a gallon. I think they owe us money. You might like it. So how about this? If I pay four fifty nine a gallon and a Biden voter pays four fifty nine a gallon, what's that math? What's that what's that math come out to? What is that, nine dollars and eighteen cents? If I'm doing that just off the top of my head, I'm not great at math. That's around nine dollars and eighteen cents. So together, if I pay four fifty nine and you pay four fifty nine, that's around nine dollars and eighteen cents a gallon. I'm going to roll with that. How about since you voted for it, you pay seven, I'll pay the two eighteen. What do you think? I voted for the guy who had gas at around two bucks a gallon. I voted for the guy that made us energy independent. I voted for the guy that made us net exporters of energy. I voted for the guy that actually supported America's energy lifeblood. So how about, since gas gas costs now for each of us together to buy a gallon, $9.18, how about you pay 7 for your gallon, I'll pay two eighteen for mine? I think it's fair. I'm calling it reparations. Period. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. new pipeline infrastructure? Yeah. New pipeline, and, and, exactly. And no more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against uh, any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. How do you plan to build, uh, to build all of these electric batteries? for everything that you think is somehow going to help this environment and help this country, by the way, and this planet. You just said no more coal-fired power plants, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. How are you going to build them? How are you going to build the batteries, Joe? Do you ever think before you cram those disgusting yellow toenails down your own throat? Seriously, do you ever think... Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. Don't, uh, don't sleep on that last line either. Would you be willing to displace hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers out of the fossil fuel industry in order to transition? Yes, and he got votes. He got votes. And now we're all living with the consequences. Let's go to Brian in Cleveland. Hey, Brian, you're on AM 1420, The Answer, and Always Right Radio. Go ahead, sir. Man, Bob, everything that I was going to ask, you've already answered with that montage. I was going to ask about the Defense Production Act instead of the bullcrap they're feeding us about the smoke and mirrors for the baby formula, if they could use it uh, for the petroleum production. But like I said, the last couple of minutes of listening to that 
jerk in the White House. I don't know. So He'll never do it. He'll never that, do it. No, with that being said, I was. can I ask you another question? Sure. <clears throat> with the, uh, uh, who was that the other day, Secretary of the Interior up on Congress, when they're yeah. asking her questions about fuel and everything's a rebuttal, she will not answer the question. She made the storyline about how, you know, she remembered waiting in line for gas and this and that, but she would not answer the congressman. Can the congressman, I, where, why don't they have any stones? Put your hands on the desk, lean forward, answer the damn question. I didn't ask you about your gas line. I asked you about production. Why? Can, when you're in court of law, you're being held as a hostile witness. Can they do that in Congress? Uh, no, not really. Um, and as a matter of fact, the chair of a committee, if you tried to get too, too gruff and too aggressive with a witness like that, would tell you to, uh, uh, to tone it down and to keep decorum and so on and so forth. And of course, you look like the bully. But I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of people. I mean, Josh Hawley had her, Jennifer Granholm, who's the energy secretary. I know you're talking about the secretary of the interior, but, um, had her dead to rights on the on the uh, you know the first uh, uh, you know eight months nine months of the Biden administration, which gas went right. from two bucks to over three three thirty three fifty whatever, and uh, you know and and she refused to answer. She just kept going to blame Vladimir Putin, blame Vladimir Putin. So there's only so much you can do with a witness like this. It's not a it's not a trial. The witnesses well, are there to elicit information, or rather the. Uh, members of the committee are supposed to elicit information from the witnesses, but not in the course as, as if it were a criminal was, trial where you can treat them off. It was 5.39 to put fuel in my rig this morning. Oh 5.39. Diesel? Oh, you're, so you're, you're yeah. rig. Okay, yeah. Well, so you're, yeah. Diesel's 5.39 Yeah, that's me out here trucking. Yep. My God. Almost almost $500 to fill up this morning. Are you independent? No, I, I work for a company, but we uh, we share. We share the load. Gotcha. The only reason I'm asking, obviously, because independent truckers have to be just dying. I mean, I, you know, what 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 do you say it costs to fill up? Over a thousand dollars, probably, right, to fill up your rig? No, no, I I have a hundred I have a hundred gallon tank at five thirty nine. Oh, okay, I, so five forty nine this morning. I put eighty five gallons, and it was like four like four sixty five. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it it is insane. Uh, and 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 the fact that you've got a company that's willing to you know split that load with you that's great. But obviously, you know, your costs go up, their costs go up, both costs go up. Cost of whatever you're hauling goes up. It comes to my store, yeah. and and the cost for me goes up, and it just continues and sometimes in perpetuity. Sometimes the cost like of the customers they can't understand it. They're like, well, what do you mean you're throwing another <laughs> another dollar, two dollars on the haul rate? It was you know a four dollar haul rate. Now you you want five fifty five. What do you mean? Yeah, well, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? You know, and the reality exactly. is, it's the reality. This is the frustrating thing. We've seen, not to this level, but we've seen periods of time in which spikes happen, this, that, and the other, uh, and 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 we, you know, we usually get past it in short order. But what they're predicting now is that gasoline, regular unleaded gasoline, is going to be pushing up over $6 a gallon by August. What's that going to do to diesel? Eight? Are you going to be up around eight bucks a gallon by, by August if that's what happens to regular gasoline? Well, and not to mention the diesel exhaust fluid. It's almost five bucks a gallon now, too. And it was 99 cents a gallon two years ago. So for the average American consumer, and Brian, thank you for the call. Keep doing what you do, my friend. Uh, God bless. We'll pray for you uh, so that you can keep doing uh, what you do. Um, we need you. I just wish you didn't have to pay this. But, but I mean, i, I got to go, you know, at the end of the day today and fill up my gas tank. 
and it's going to cost me so much more money than it would have, you know, a year ago, two years ago to to fill up my gas tank. And and the worst part is that's not where the the, the pain stops, as I just said. Because then I got to go, you know, tomorrow morning. We usually do grocery shopping on Saturday mornings, like a lot of families do. I don't know. Then we're going to go grocery shopping tomorrow morning, and what used to be a cart full of food for a hundred dollars is going to be a cart full of food for one hundred and seventy five dollars. So I'm going to have to spend way more money at the gas tank than I'm going to spend way more money at the grocery store. And then virtually anything and everything else that we need to buy is going to do the same thing. At what point do budgets break? This is why I said on the program Wednesday, I think it was, and I, and I actually posted it on my social media too. And follow me on Facebook at Always Right, uh, 1420, Always Right, 1420. And I think that's what it is. I get a whole bunch of Always Rights. But just look up Always Right Radio on uh, Facebook and you'll find me. But I posted, I said, what's going to happen here? And this is not, this is not up for debate. I, I believe it is absolutely a given that what's going to happen here is um, desperate people are going to end up having to do desperate things to help their families. People who wouldn't ordinarily think about criminal activity are going to be drawn into some very, very difficult decisions. And the people who are prone to criminal activity, who are also spending more of their money, are going to do more desperate criminal activities. The current state of the Biden economy, Bidenomics, if you will, and Bidenflation, and the damage done to the average American family's budget is going to lead to desperate people doing things that's going to cause the crime rate to skyrocket more than it already is. And understaffed and outmanned police departments will indeed be powerless to stop it, as will all of us. Cleveland next. Chuck, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning. I just wanted to say that there's only one one thing Brandon did right. He brought our country to its knees. And that's that's what other countries see. And as a veteran, I have never been disembarrassed of my own country in my life. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. Have All a right, nice Chuck. day. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Keep, your, keep your chin up, my friend. Keep your chin up. Stay strong. We got to fight, not not collapse. Uh, I didn't quite understand what you said. The only thing he did right was bringing this nation to its knees. I think that's a bad thing, unless your reference is to prayer. If your reference is to prayer, I get you, and I'm with you. This nation should be on its knees because we need to pray for assistance, pray for deliverance uh, from the, the 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 desperate evil that is currently running uh, this country. And running it, my friends, right into the ground. Uh, Charlie and Westlake next. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thank you for taking the call. So, certainly. Um, I've been watching. You know, I watched YouTube like crazy. These uh, all these protests over the row uh, overturned, and there's all these pundits saying, "Oh, there's going to be violence this summer." There's you know the violent uh, riots and all that. And I'm watching, and I go, no, nah, I don't think so, because 80% of these protesters are middle-aged women. And middle-aged women just don't riot. You just can't get them to riot. It, but talking about gas, but gas goes up to $6 a gallon, watch another group will riot. And I'm not saying I will, but that's the criminal activity that will go up. People cannot afford $6 a gallon. They just It's like a shutdown. You know, our whole economy will shut down. But... Uh, 
That's what my two cents are today. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Thank you for the call, my friend. Um, I, you know, it's not those middle-aged women who are walking around in the uh, handmade tail red dresses and white bonnets uh, trying to protest Roe versus Wade and the potential overturn of it. They're not the ones who are going to riot. They'll just do exactly what you just said. They'll do that. The other groups that are going to riot haven't even started yet. They haven't even come out yet. They're keeping it peaceful until the official opinion is released, not just the draft opinion is leaked illegally. When the official opinion is released and Roe versus Wade is overturned, if that is, and I hope that it is, uh, what happens, then you will see the full 2020 race riots uh, come back again, but, but on steroids over the issue of abortion. The left likes very, very, very few things as much as they like killing babies. That's just the reality of it. And if somebody is going to limit their ability to kill babies or even just to put the decision in the hands of the states, they will go full-on riot. Not protest, but full-on BLM Antifa-style rioting. That's coming this summer. You better believe it. Quick time out here. It's 952 Always Right Radio. Online at alwayswrite.us and on air on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine fifty-seven. got time for a call or two more here before the top of the hour. Don't forget, after the top of the hour, John Lott is going to be joining us. And we're going to talk about the media's lies about right-wing Mass murderers, right-wing mass shooters, blaming conservatives for individuals like the Buffalo shooter who is anything but conservative. We're going to talk to John a lot about that at uh, 1010. Rick is calling us from Illyria. Hi, Rick. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Yeah. um, I just wanted to let you know, I just uh, got some gas from Sam's Club, and it was $4.31 a gallon. Uh, But the... uh, the one thing I wanted to call was back whenever Obama was in office, I remember hearing him. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but I remember him saying that he had no problem with $5 a gallon gas. You know, it sounds familiar, Rick. Um, I would have to hunt for that and find the context of it. But, yeah, it does sound familiar, uh, something that he said. I remember when he was... Um, when uh, gas prices were spiking when Obama was president at one point, and he talked about rather than uh, uh, drilling for more oil and increasing production to you know satisfy supply and demand to get those prices down, he told everybody to inflate your tires properly. Because if you inflate yeah. your tires properly, you could save just as much money on gas as if the gas prices were lower. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't remember it helping too much, but... Uh... Yeah, $4.31 at Sam's Club. Well, and, you know, that's where I get my gas, by the way. Uh, I do it for that exact reason. You know, sometimes it's a dime cheaper than the regular uh, station. Sometimes it's a quarter, sometimes 30, 35, 40 cents in a good day. Uh, but not now. Now it's, that's, uh, it's probably at 431. That's probably about 20 cents. What is it? About 450, 451 everywhere else. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's where I get mine, and it's still just extraordinary. Even if you belong to a savings club like that or Costco or whatever, you are going to end up paying, uh, having this this massive dent in the rest of your budget just to fill your tank. That's what we've been dealing with. Uh, thank you, my friend. God bless. Appreciate you. Good luck to you. Uh, good luck to all of us trying to deal with this Bidenflation. 
and this Biden Biden energy crisis. Biden energy? Can I combine Biden and energy and say Biden energy? No, that doesn't work so well. 10 o'clock, we'll get news now. We'll come back and talk more about what's going on with the media and uh, how they continue to demonize and target you and me and those on the right for things that have absolutely nothing to do with any of us. That's next, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour ah, number two underway now on this three for all Friday. Eight minutes after 10 on the 20th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2022. Great calls so far today. A lot of people really engaged. And how can you not be? We're all being crippled now economically by Bidenomics, by Bidenflation. We're being crippled by it. Four fifty nine a gallon and only rising. Uh, experts anticipate well over $6 a gallon by August. And what are we going to do? By the way, if you think that this is an accident, just super quick on this before I move on to my next guest. Um, it was back in 2011, still in Obama's first term, that his energy secretary, Stephen Chu, you may or may not remember, he was the secretary of the Department of Energy, And he said in an interview that gas prices should slowly be increased over the next 15 years in order to force people to turn to alternative energy sources. He said, we have to figure out how to boost the prices of gasoline to the levels of Europe. And the levels in Europe were at $10 a gallon. Well, that was 2011. We are now in 2022. He said over 15 years. So we're 11 years into that game plan, and we're pushing up toward five, looking up toward six or seven by the end of the summer. Where does it end when you have a president saying, I will destroy fossil fuels and the entire energy in an industry as it exists in this country? You think it's going to end? You think it's going to stop? Got news for you. Let's pivot to something else equally disturbing. The media continuing to lie about who and what is responsible for a rash of mass shootings in this country, particularly if those shootings happen to be racially motivated. John Lott wrote uh, for Town Hall, if you believe the L.A. Times, the Buffalo shooter who left 10 dead from uh, who left 10 dead emerged from a far right ecosystem. Rolling Stone said the Buffalo shooter isn't a lone wolf. He's a mainstream Republican. The New York Times linked the mass shootings to former House Speaker Newt Gingrich and New York Congresswoman uh, Elise Stefanik. And not to be left out, Representative Liz Cheney blames Republicans for the attack, claiming, quote, the House GOP leadership has enabled white nationalism, white supremacy, and anti-Semitism. <laughs> and the media is just all in with all of that. The problem is, problem is none of it is true. John Lott joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to take a look at this a little bit more closely. Uh, John, thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you, sir? Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. I wish we had better circumstances uh, to talk about uh, some things in the news right now. But this is this is just so disgusting. It's so repugnant to declare even, you know, first of all, the shooter in Buffalo is a nut. 
Uh, he had all kinds of mental deficiencies. We know that he had been treated. He had been seen. He had uh, uh, been uh, had therapy because he had once wanted to shoot up a school. I mean, this guy was just a time bomb ready to go off. There's no question about that. And there's nothing about his mind, I think, that can be really categorized into any ideology. He's just a nut. But having said that, he did put his thoughts to paper. He wrote, or at least to screen, and he wrote his thoughts. And he described himself as being uh, somebody who is more of an eco uh, uh, I was going to say eco-terrorist. I didn't word, know if that was the exact language. Okay, thank you. Uh, and I know you quoted me as saying an eco-fascist national socialist and also somebody who is a mild, moderate, authoritarian leftist. And yet, John Lott, the, the, the portrayal here is that he is somehow, some way, a conservative mainstreamer. And your thoughts? Right. Well, uh, you bring up a lot of points. Just uh, on your very first point, quickly. You know, over half of uh, the mass public shooters over the last 25 years were actually seeing mental health care professionals prior to their attacks. And not in one single case did those mental health care professionals, some of them internationally recognized experts on uh, violent behavior, uh, identified uh, any of these attackers as a danger to themselves or others. Um, in fact, there's a whole academic literature about the difficulties mental health care professionals have in evaluating and, and, and realizing that somebody's going to go and commit uh, this type of, of violence. Um, and, you know, we can go and talk about that. But, you know, the basic issue that you have is that if you can't identify these individuals beforehand, you have to think about what's your backup plan. And this killer explicitly talked about trying to go to a place where he knew people wouldn't have concealed handgun permits to be able to go and protect themselves. There was an armed guard that was there. Uh, but, you know, what I've tried to make clear over the decades is that having some, a uniformed guard there has an incredibly difficult task. This, this killer had actually gone and cased the place beforehand. He knew where the guard was stationed. And he went in there, and who do you think he goes after first? If you think that there's only one person with the gun, the uniformed guard, and you know that if you take them out first, then you're going to have free reign to go after other people uh, in, in the place there. And that's exactly what happened in this case. If you have people with permanent concealed handguns, which are incredibly difficult to get in New York, um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a case before the Supreme Court right now about how difficult it is. They are so-called may-issue state where you have to, unlike Ohio, uh, you have to go and provide a good reason to some public official, uh, a Democrat in this case, for why you should be able to get a, a concealed handgun permit, and they rarely grant it to people. And even then you have to pay a couple hundred dollars, and then, and then you have to go to court in order to go and try to get approved. Uh, you're talking about maybe additional thousands on top of that. Uh, this person not only explicitly picked New York because he knew very few people would be able to go and defend themselves, but he went to a low-income area uh, where it's even less likely. I mean, you're talking about tiny fractions of 1% of, of the population that might possibly have a concealed handgun permit. But in any case, the main thing you want to talk about is uh, the the last part of your point, and that is 
how the media is covering this, and the media covers these things the same way all the time. I mean, you had uh, not just this murder, but people like the New Zealand mosque shooter uh, or the El Paso Walmart shooter or the Dayton, Ohio shooter, where if you read these diaries, in this case, or, or statements that these people make, are manifestos, this this latest killer left a 180-page manifesto. There's no way you could read through this and, and possibly think that this guy is, uh, is a conservative uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, he was against uh, immigration, uh, immigration completely. I don't know too many conservatives that are against all immigration. They may no, be illegal immigration. The, yeah, I know, and that's an important distinction there. Sure. And um, but I mean, this guy hated companies. He thought companies were as evil as immigration. But the reason why he hated immigration, and the reason why the New Zealand uh, shooter uh, hated immigration, and the reason why the El Paso shooter hated uh, immigration, uh, was because they claim that uh, minorities tend to have more children than, than Europeans did, and that he was upset about the damage that overpopulation was doing to the environment, and that uh, you know he wanted to drastically reduce the world population there. And you know, I mean, how many conservatives are uh, against immigration because the world has too many people in it? Uh, you know, are just are concerned. I mean, can you name something that Newt Gingrich or any other person in Congress, Republican in Congress, has gone out and said that uh, we need to reduce the population and we need to get rid of minorities because they tend to have more kids? You know, the people that you can find that are concerned about the number of children that people are having are like AOC um, or... Uh, you know, you have uh, Biden and other people in his administration talking about the existential threat, uh, you know, to the environment and to mankind's existence because of the environment. Republicans aren't making those types of claims. And, uh, you know, so if you're really concerned about this, if you really think that we're on the knife edge of uh, ending existence here, you know, AOC few years ago was saying we only had 12 years left uh you know it's the democrats uh in the media who are out there uh scaring people uh, i think unjustly uh and you know is it surprising then that you have a few wackos like this go out and do uh the type of damage that he does because he's fearful about uh uh environmental armageddon coming and, uh, uh, you know, but they will never go. You, you will look in vain to find any of the media coverage on this, even on Fox, uh, talking about uh, his environmentalist views. No, you're, you're exactly right about that. We're talking with John Lott. John is the uh, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, among other things. Uh, until January of last year, he was also senior advisor for research and stats at the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Legal Policy. 
John, you know, they won't talk about his environmental positions. They won't talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the tendencies that he described that lean toward the left. His, his, uh, he described his views of Fox News as that he despised it. Uh, he was not inspired by it. He despised Fox News, wanted nothing to do with right. it. But the other thing you won't hear them talk about, John, as they continue to focus on his race and the things that he has said uh, and written that do indeed indicate racial or racism, and, and there is, there is some of that, but he's not conservative. He's not a conservative racist. He is an, he is an eco-fascist racist, if anything, and an authoritarian left racist, according to his own views. But what they don't talk about, despite all of the racial aspects of this, is the fact that in Chicago... In this month alone, May to date, there have been 39 people shot and killed, 182 shot and wounded, total 221. Just this week, since May 15th, nine shot and killed, 48 shot and wounded, 57. Now, what's the difference between Buffalo on a day, a Saturday uh, at a grocery store in Buffalo and Chicago every single weekend? And and I'll give you the right. answer well, I mean, because I want you to react to it is the fact that it is almost one hundred percent black victims and almost one hundred percent black shooters in the entire shooting range that is uh, the South Side right. of Chicago. Sure. Well, I mean, there is a difference um, between the two, and that is, um, I mean, obviously, you're black victims in both cases, but or uh, overwhelmingly. But uh, the one difference is that the vast majority of shootings in Chicago involve rival gangs, uh, usually fighting over things like drug turf. And, uh, um, you know, I can understand why, uh, if you have somebody go in and shoot a lot of innocent victims uh, just simply to go and try to kill as many people as possible, why that is more gut-wrenching. I mean, both are bad. Nobody wants to see anybody killed. And that's the reason why when you when you in Chicago when you hear about stray bullets striking a young uh child or something like that, why that gets particular headlines. But if you just have two gang members or, you know, kill each other uh over drug turf, it's not quite the type of emotionally gripping story. But Look, I mean, yeah, but John, Chicago that's kind of my point, if I may, if I may. That's kind of my point. Yeah, sure. Why isn't it? If Black Lives Matter, and this is all of the hand-wringing over right. what happened in Buffalo is because a white guy shot predominantly mostly black people, and we care about, right. you know, and, and the, the narrative in the media for the last five days has been that black people are under siege from white people, from white shooters, white nationalists, white domestic terrorists, the FBI, it's all over the watch list, the uh, the. The uh, um, uh, even the the federal gov- or the uh, uh, defense department, Millie and and Austin have talked about white uh, uh, terrorists being the the biggest threat to the United States of America. So they're all talking about how ethnic minorities or racial minorities, in this case, black people, are on, on are being hunted by white people and being assaulted by white people. When the reality is, as you look in Chicago, as one example, is that black people are killing black people at extraordinary rates. Joe Joe Biden hasn't made a visit. Joe Biden hasn't hasn't stopped by Chicago to say, hey, this needs to stop. You're killing each other. Black people are dying in an extraordinary right. rate here. He doesn't care about that. The media doesn't care about it. The only time they care about a black life being ended by gunfire is if there is a white person doing it, and they can find a way to falsely, as you wrote in your article, tie that white person to conservatism. Right. No, I mean, I, look, I agree with all your points. Uh, you know, if it's black lives that we 
care about saving, uh, then we should be outraged that there's a lot more blacks that are killed in this other type of violence. Look, uh, Biden has given four major addresses on violent crime. Uh, you will look in vain for looking at anything that he wants to talk about other than, uh, you know, guns first policy. But what people need to realize is that over 92% of violent crime has absolutely nothing to do with guns. Uh, and the way you go and reduce violent crime is to make it risky for criminals to commit crime. That's whether it's violent crime with guns or violent crime without guns. You know, when uh, Biden went to New York uh, recently, uh, I wish he'd given kind of a sister soldier type talk there where he had said, look, you want to know why violent crime has gone up in New York City? Uh, you've cut the police budget by $1 billion a year. You know, you've released over 60% of the inmates from uh, jails in the area. You've gone and have uh, district attorneys who are refusing to prosecute violent criminals. You have bail reform where you're letting people out on, on serious crimes who may be facing you know, a decades in jail on no bail. And so, you know, you have somebody, you know, take, take the Wisconsin, the guy in Wisconsin who drove his uh, car through the Christmas crowd, killing uh, yeah. uh, sticks and wounding over 60 others. Daryl Brooks. He had been released uh, from, on manslaughter charges. He had tried, he had drove over the, the mother of his child with his car. He was already facing manslaughter, uh, attempted manslaughter. And uh, on top of that, he had other felonies that he had been released on. Let's say you're facing and, and, and also, years. John, and, and also, John, we need to point this out, too, because we're out of time here. That particular guy wrote rap lyrics uh, 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 indicating oh, yeah, his no, intention to, to kill white to kill people. White. Right. Yeah, I know. And, and then and he, he was, and then he, he drives was, that truck through a, 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 an all white Christmas parade. And right. did Joe Biden go out there and 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 talk about the damage of this no, black attack on all white? I mean, you know, the the hypocrisy here is just so so disgusting. It, and you talk about further dividing this country. Um, there's no excuse for it. There's no justification for it. Uh, John Lott, you got to read this article. I think it's linked to my webpage at alwaysright.us. Yeah, people can I'll also sure. find it on our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. We will link to it from that page that, to make sure that people go right there and read it. John Lott, president of Crime Prevention Research Center. John, thank you for the work you do. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. 1026 now, quick time out on AM 1420, The Answer. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. 1038 at the uh, top of my webpage, alwayswrite.us, there is a scrolling marquee that's been there for the last five days, and it is counting down the number of days until the Biden administration surrenders American sovereignty to the World Health Organization. That countdown now is at two, because today is the 20th. And the meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, starts on the 22nd. Not sure exactly which day between the 22nd and 29th they will vote, 
But that is when the vote will happen. The vote on the amendments offered by the Biden administration to surrender all health care authority in the event of health emergencies as determined by the WHO to the WHO. Now, I've been telling you about this for a few days now. Uh, Dr. Peter Bregan's website, bregan.com, is just a fountain of information about what you need to know. And one thing that he says at the very top, I just want to read it super quick. Please take seriously the severity of this existential threat to everything free people hold dear. Do everything in your power to pass this report on to others and find ways to communicate with and influence people to stop empowering the WHO to take over our national sovereignty and freedom. That is not an overstatement. It is not exaggeration. It is not uh, hyperbole. It is reality. Now, normally I wouldn't play something for you from InfoWars. InfoWars just doesn't have a great reputation. It has a reputation as being conspiratorial. Ordinarily, if I only heard this on InfoWars, I would probably need to look for a whole lot of other corroboration and other places I trust more uh, before I would believe anything in it. But in this case, it's the reverse. I already have corroboration. I already knew about what was going on with the surrender of American sovereignty to the World Health Organization. And what I heard, and when I watched this five-minute video from InfoWars, just reinforced what I already knew. So this is not something I would consider conspiratorial, just because it comes from InfoWars. It is reality, because I know about it from a number of other different sites, including, yes, the Brandon administration itself. But this is a pretty good summary and recap of what we are facing starting uh, in two days in Geneva, Switzerland. Members of the World Health Organization. Apologies. Next week in Geneva, Switzerland, members of the World Health Organization, which was founded on the principles of establishing a one world government, will be voting to give themselves worldwide authority when it comes to official international health emergencies. The same World Health Organization who praised communist China's extreme authoritarian lockdown against the Chinese people, who suggested forcibly separating families to quarantine them. In most parts of the world, due to lockdown, most of the transmission that's actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household at family level. In some senses, transmission has been taken off the streets and pushed back into family units. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them in a, in a safe and dignified manner. I'm going to pause it there for emphasis. That was the World Health Organization. If we determine that the spread of a virus is indoors within the family unit, we must go into the family homes and physically and forcibly forcibly remove people and isolate them. Now, here in the United States of America, we would never even think of such a thing. Until Joe Biden surrenders our authority to make those decisions to foreign governments by way of the World Health Organization. That's why this matters so much. And who was caught faking the H1N1 pandemic in 2010. 
the same World Health Organization run by Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, who's been working with the Clinton Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation since 2007, who said that the lockdowns will never end. I repeat, there will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. And that the war in Ukraine was getting massive attention as a result of bias against black lives. The U.S. government is in full support of this new U.N. treaty with the WHO and has submitted 13 amendments, which will be voted on next week, that will give the WHO international authority on lockdowns, forced quarantines, and forced vaccinations. According to constitutional lawyer Robert Barnes, none of this is legally binding until a treaty is approved by the U.S. Senate. But the law hasn't been stopping these criminals from committing crimes against humanity so far. And if they plan on staying in power, they are going to have to bring back the lockdowns and the ballot harvesting mules. So we know it's coming, and it will soon be climate lockdowns to go with their climate migration. People are waiting. Isn't that something that I've been talking about the last few days? When they can declare that the World Health Organization will have full authority over member nations on issues that they consider to be health emergencies. It's not just pandemics. They can and will consider climate change to be a health emergency and thus force the American government and the American people to do whatever they are told. They will call climate change a global emergency a health emergency and we will then be forced to do what they say that you know what comes after that don't you they will declare that guns firearms they are a health emergency look at the number of people killed by firearms look at the number of mass shootings it's a health emergency and they will try to declare in the interest of health they will try to declare our second amendment null and void don't think that this can't happen. And again, all I'm playing for you right now is kind of a uh, a repeat of, of many of the things I've already told you over the last few days. To go with their climate migration. People are waking up, but the UN's agenda is aggressively pressing forward. The United Nations is meeting this week with members of the Mayor's Migration Council, which is comprised of nine mayors from nine different cities throughout the world, including Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles, California. The Mayor's Migration Council is funded by George Soros's Open Society Foundations, sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation and partnered with the United Nations. And their stated goal is pretty clear. They want to grant mayors the ability to bypass state and federal government when it comes to what they call climate migration and go straight to international organizations for resources. They are inviting all interested mayors or senior city staff members to contact them at contact at mayorsmigrationcouncil.org to learn how to engage with the international system and learn how to get funding and boots-on-the-ground support. This all sounds completely illegal, but who's going to stop them? There is no longer any justice in America, so expect more lockdowns as the food supply diminishes and the population around you surges with hungry foreign migrants. Reporting for InfoWars. All right, 
So that's uh, just a little bit of a taste, uh, kind of, a, I think, a pretty good summary and a recap of what we have already learned, what we learned from Dr. Peter Bregan, and what we also learned from former Minnesota Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. She was the first one whose audio I played for you. Now, she spoke on Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic. And she was the kind of the first one to sound the alarm a little bit earlier this month, but a little bit too late because, as she correctly pointed out, the Biden administration kept these amendments uh, that were going to go into this meeting and to be voted on uh, um, for the member, uh, U.N. member nations who are part of the World Health Organization. They kept them secret from January until April 12th. Nobody knew about it. And then even when April, April 12th came around, very, very few people knew about him, and that's when Michelle Bachman started sounding the alarm. I asked Jim Jordan about this on Monday, and he had just found out about it. So I asked him what he's going to do. Is there other people he's, he can talk to? And, of course, he said, yeah, he's going to you know, talk to other members of the, of the Congress and, and, and see where this goes and try to, you know, I, I don't even know what he's going to try to do, if anything, because it's so late in the game. This meeting starts in two days. But Michelle Bachman was the, the lead on this, and she is going to join me, just FYI, in about 20 minutes. At about 11.10, at the top of the next hour, Michelle Bachman is going to be joining me to discuss all of this. Now, I also want to point out that finally, Tucker Carlson got in on the act. For the first time since I have been talking about this, Michelle Bachman has been talking about this, Steve Bannon has been talking about this, InfoWars has been talking about this, finally... One of the primetime network news shows addressed to this. This is Tucker from just last night. The Biden administration is very close to handing the World Health Organization power over every aspect, the intimate aspects of your life. So imagine the civil liberties abuses that you lived through during the COVID lockdowns, but permanent and administered from a foreign country. Here's what we're looking at tonight. This January, the Biden administration submitted a series of proposed amendments to something called the International Health Regulations, the IHR. Now, the Biden administration's amendments, along with those from several other countries, will be combined to create a new global pandemic treaty. We need a pandemic treaty. That treaty is set to be adopted starting this weekend in Geneva at the World Health Assembly. Now, the full text of the treaty is not yet finished, but a WHO working group has summarized what it's going to look like. The document begins by promising to restrict the WHO's authority just to pandemics. Calm down, it's just pandemics. Quote, WHO secretariat to play the leading, convening, and coordinating role in operational aspects of emergency response to a pandemic. End quote. So don't get paranoid. Someone needs to coordinate the pandemic response globally because it's a global problem. Got it? Settle down, conspiracy nut. But here's the catch. The World Health Organization gets to define what a pandemic is, when a pandemic is in progress, and how long a pandemic lasts. Then you read the fine print and you realize the WHO will have total authority over emergency operations in the United States if there is ever a, quote, public health emergency. Huh? What qualifies exactly as a public health emergency? Well, they don't define that. But they get to. They get to decide what a public health emergency is. Climate change, firearms. And then they have total authority. You can see where this is going. Now, the Biden administration has made certain that unelected bureaucrats at the WHO have total authority to declare and define public health emergencies. They did it explicitly. The White House eliminated a provision that would have required the World Health Organization to, quote, consult with an attempt to obtain verification from the state party in whose territory the event is allegedly occurring in. So 
as originally written, they couldn't do anything without the permission of their member countries' governments. But thanks to the change that the Biden administration put, pushed, effectively there is no limit at all on WHO's power. This is what I've been focusing on for the last few days about this. It's, it would be awful enough if a foreign country or a foreign body wanted to essentially declare, we will decide what happens in your country. And then the United States government saying, okay, well, if it's in the best interest and the rest of the country, rest of the world agrees, agrees with it, okay, we'll go along. That would be terrible. It's another thing altogether for the Biden administration to be the leader of this, to be the one that writes this amendment, to suggest that we surrender our decision-making ability to the global World Health Organization, to the globalists, Funded, as we played for you the other the other video, or I played for you the other video that you heard, uh, in part by George Soros' Open Societies Foundation, Bill Gates' organization. I mean, just ponder this for a moment. We're not just being forced to acquiesce to the will of the rest of the world. We're the ones actually drawing up the documentation. We're the ones who writing writing the amendments and saying, we want to surrender our authority. When I say we, I mean Joe Biden, representing you and me. And then it gets worse from there. The treaty also mandates a, quote, whole of government and whole of society approach to pandemic preparedness. Hmm, think about that. Every society is always preparing for a pandemic. And that means there will not be a moment ever when the WHO doesn't have operational control over so-called public health matters in this country. Now, what's that going to mean exactly? You've already guessed it's not really about public health. It never is. But before we tell you what exactly it's going to mean, you should know that none of this is going to be optional. Thanks to an amendment from the Biden administration, the treaty contains a provision for a compliance committee. Ooh, there's always the stick. It provides that every member country in the WHO must, quote, inform WHO about the establishment of its national competent authority responsible for overall implementation of the IHR that will be recognized and held accountable. I'll stop it there because I think you get the idea. I've been talking about this for a while. Uh, Michelle Bachman has been sounding the alarm. Steve Bannon has been. Infowars is in. And finally now, just three days last night, before the uh, beginning of this uh, these uh, meetings and this vote, uh, now Tucker is uh, letting the, the mainstream world know about it. Um, we're going to talk to Michelle Bachman at 11.10. If you would like to weigh in on it between now and then, dial 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. And we'll bring you up on Always Right Radio. Okay, 1057, let's get a couple more phone calls in here before the top of the hour. Pete in Cleveland. Hi, Pete. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Hello, Bob. God bless you, and thank you for what you're doing. Listen, I just got off the phone with uh, Senator Portman's office. I called him, and I I wanted to speak to him, but, of course, he was not available. And I spoke with his his secretary, and... uh, she told me that Mr. Portman is receiving many, many calls concerning the WTO fiasco that's going on, that Mr. Biden so willingly is uh, surrendering our sovereignty. Um, and she told me that uh, he hasn't disclosed any information yet on what his stand is. What do you think we should do, Bob? 
Well, I mean, it's a little late now because of you know the fact that the again they buried this and it kept this quiet for four months since January when they wrote those um, uh, 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 proposed uh, recommend or proposed uh, uh, amendments uh, to the to the to the treaty. So they buried it, and now we don't have a whole lot of time. You can reach Rob Portman's office. You can reach anybody. You reach a member of Congress and so on and so forth and ask them to take action. But uh, the reality is we're very, very late. What I am under hopeful what, of... Under what, 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 what authority, Bob? Under what constitutional authority does, does Mr. Biden have to do this, sir? Because well, I know according, Mr. according to... to- yeah, according to the the uh, uh, the Infowars piece that I that I that I played, and I don't have confirmation of this because I don't know the the law inside and out. But according to this, our representation, our delegation to the WHO that goes to this meeting in Geneva can indeed cast a vote on uh, in favor of the treaty and say we will surrender our authority. We'll all agree. Uh, those who are who are signatories to this will all agree to let the WHO call the shots in their countries if there is Without a chance Congress? that. Well, that, that, let me finish. That's, that was the end of it. Um, what, what, what the uh, um, InfoWars video said was, uh, and they sounded like it was pretty confident, that that would then be have, have to be ratified by the United States Senate. So not the Congress, but specifically the Senate would have to, 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 uh, to, ratify, to ratify our signing on to this treaty. So the one thing I guess I would say is between now and uh you know the end of this conference obviously get to your senators as much as you can and 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 find out where they stand and demand uh that they you know support American sovereignty and that they vote to uh decline this uh, this treaty so that we cannot uh you know be forced to submit to its to, to its And what if they don't Bob what do we do then as as citizens what do we do? Well, well, truthfully, and I talked about this uh, the other day, and I'll talk about it with Michelle Bachman, too. Um, truthfully, what we do is, in two years, we elect a different president. Because when we elected will Donald we have, Trump... Will we have a country, Bob? Will we have well, a country in two well, years, sir? Well, when we elected... All I know is when we elected Donald Trump, he immediately pulled us out of the WHO. And uh, yes, it is sir, my hope did. that... Yeah, it is my hope that the next president, whether it be a Donald Trump or a Ron DeSantis or anybody else, would do the same thing. So uh, I'm going to go. I appreciate the call. Thank you for the for the call, Pete. I'm going to ask Michelle Bachman some of the very same questions you just asked me. What is the rule? What is the law? Uh, and uh, you know how do we how do we stave this off if we have to wait until there is a new president? So it's a very good question. That conversation is coming up after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Onward into hour number three. We roll at 11 minutes past 11 o'clock. It is the 20th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us on this Free For All Friday. We are awaiting a connection with Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman, you may recall, the former uh, congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. She is now the dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University in uh, Virginia. And she is um, she is all over this globalist movement. She is all over this campaign to essentially surrender the decision-making ability, the sovereignty of the American government to foreign governments uh, that are deemed to be experts. This is technocracy at its best and its worst. This is what Patrick Wood is always talking to us about. He's written two books on technocracy. This is the belief that the health experts in other countries know more and should have more power than the people here who just don't know anything. We surrender to the technocrats, uh, and they will make decisions for us. Of course, if you think this is just about what's going to happen in a pandemic, and it's not a first step toward flat-out global governance, then I just don't think you're paying attention. You haven't been. We don't talk about this every day. But when stories like this come up, we absolutely do, and I hope you are paying attention to it. I want to give you a little taste of what Michelle Bachman said on Just the News about what we are facing in these next couple of days when this uh, this treaty meeting or hearing or gathering happens in Geneva, Switzerland. They were making decisions regarding that would impact businesses, that would impact whether or not we have to stay home or whether we can go to work or what businesses have to be shut down or what businesses could be open or if people wear dirty masks on their face for a year and a half or if little children have to wear masks or if schools are closed or if we're forced to take vaccines whether we want to or not. This level of authoritarian decision-making that we've lived with for almost three years would now be given over to the director of the WHO. So we would lose, as Americans, effectively representative democracy in America over one of the biggest issues there is, health care. That would be ceded to the director general, the WHO, Tedros. That's why this is so important. These amendments were given to the World Health Assembly on January 18th but they weren't shared with the American people. These amendments didn't go up on any government website, John and Amanda, until April 12th, one month ago. They weren't touted, people didn't know about it, but they went up for the first time April 12th. Tomorrow is the day when people can make public comment before the Health and Human Services Secretary between 10 a.m. and noon. That's the window they've offered. So I've requested to be able to speak before this committee. I submitted written objections to these amendments. Not only should the Biden administration withdraw these amendments to give away U.S. sovereignty to the WHO, we should get the United States out of the World Health Assembly, out of the WHO. Which is exactly exactly what we had when President Trump took over. He saw the danger of this. He took us out of the World Health Organization almost immediately, almost as quickly as he took us out of the Paris Climate Accords. So this, by the way, this uh, uh, interview that I was just sharing with you was from May 13th. So today is the 20th, so it's one week ago. Uh, There is no longer an opportunity for the public comment portion to happen. They buried this, again, to the point where 
I interviewed Jim Jordan on Monday, so four days ago, and I asked Jim Jordan about it, and he said they just became aware of it over the weekend. How was Congress not aware of something as extreme and something as dangerous as the World Health Organization calling the shots on Americans' health decisions? I mean, it's as I've said before, it's bad enough that our government tell us that our bodies and our, are not our own when it comes to choosing what medication we take and what medication we don't, whether we want to run the risk of an adverse effect or an adverse event from a quote-unquote vaccine that hasn't been fully tested. It's bad enough if we have our government telling us we have to take shots, can't go to work, must remain locked down, must remain uh, outside of a crowd of more than five people, or whatever. To have a foreign government tell us that is something altogether again. And these are the things that we're going to be asking Michelle Bachman about, including what do we have in our toolbox to stop? The U.S. government is in full support of this new U.N. treaty with the WHO and has submitted 13 amendments, which will be voted on next week week that will give the WHO international authority on lockdowns, forced quarantines, and forced vaccinations. According to constitutional lawyer Robert Barnes, none of this is legally binding until a treaty is approved by the U.S. Senate. And so that, of course, becomes our only fallback if this thing does in the next few days uh, get agreed upon and signed upon by the United States and these other WHO member nations. And I'm told we do have Michelle Bachman on the line now. Michelle Bachman, former uh, congresswoman from the great state of Minnesota, now the dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, Michelle, thank you very much. Congresswoman Bachman, to be more formal, thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you? Thank you so much for being on your show today, but thank you so much for bringing awareness to your audience of this critical issue. We've been trying to let people all across the United States know about this, in addition to the senators and to the congressmen. Very few people knew knew about this because the Biden administration thought they would sneak these amendments through under the radar. The Biden administration shared these proposed changes that would reduce American sovereignty and lift up international power to empower the U.N. healthcare arm, the WHO. They, they sent these amendments to the WHO in January, but they didn't share them with the American people. These amendments were only posted on the WHO's website April 12th, so we've only even known about these, this proposed change just since the middle of April. This is a profound change that will affect everyone. People need to know and understand that here in the United States, for the last two and a half years, the reason why we saw this devastation to our economy and to our our civil liberties is because emergency powers is how we've operated. Joe Biden has, through an executive order, gave himself emergency powers. Today, we are still operating under emergency powers. He just extended his emergency powers this week through July. Governors took emergency powers. Mayors took emergency powers. Congress never voted on mask mandates. They never voted on vaccine mandates. They never voted on lockdowns. They never voted that gyms and uh, stores would have to be shut down. They never voted on that. Everything was done by emergency powers. So Joe Biden, through these amendments, wants to give the director general of the WHO these same emergency powers. So the director general of the WHO unilaterally by himself could declare that in the United States, 
we have a public health emergency of international concern. And from that, he can take other agencies within the UN, he could take other nations together, and then he could potentially issue fines against the U.S., sanctions against the U.S., travel bans against the U.S., and the enforcement would come from the Biden administration. People shouldn't be shocked by this, because for the last two and a half years, we've been living under World Health Organization guidance. I mean, realize for Facebook, if you disagree, the policy of Facebook is that if anyone disagreed with the World Health Organization, they were thrown off Facebook. The Centers for Disease Control in the United States, they put up as U.S. guidance whatever the World Health Organization came up with. So we've already been forced to follow the World Health Organization because that's what the Biden administration has been enforcing. You know, the Center for Disease Control is not a regulatory body. They're not a lawmaking body. They're, they don't have any power of enforcement. And yet the CDC would put up, we recommend, recommend masks. So then all of us are forced to wear filthy masks on airplanes for like two years or have a lockdown or have businesses closed or schools closed just because of a CDC recommendation. But the Biden administration got behind it. And people just willingly did it. So don't be shocked by all of this. The way that we've been forced to live this unnatural, not normal, unconstitutional way of life for the last two and a half years, that is exactly what the Biden administration is trying to do to empower the WHO. One issue of clarification that I want to make, the, uh, the, the Biden administration didn't come up with these amendments. They actually originated under the Trump administration. And the purpose, according to the State Department, was to put more pressure on China because China was not transparent during the outbreak with COVID. And so that's what everyone was told that these amendments were for, to bring China in line and to force transparency. That may be what their intention was, But the reality is that these amendments are going to be used against us. And these amendments aren't a treaty. I want, I also want to have a clarification. There's two things going on here. One is that the United States government entered into, in 2005, international health rules that are part of the World Health Organization. We're already in those rules. These amendments amend the international health rules not a global pandemic treaty. So therefore, these amendments don't require coming back to the U.S. Senate, or it doesn't require a two-thirds vote because it's not a treaty. We're already in the international health rules. But I also want to add that in Geneva, Switzerland, starting on this Sunday, May 22nd through 28th, the World Health, the, the uh, World Health Assembly will also be discussing the proposed global pandemic treaty. I know this is confusing, but there's two things. These proposed amendments, which are wildly inappropriate, are to a document we're already a party to and does not require a two-thirds vote from the Senate. But we will see in the future, in all likelihood, also a proposed global pandemic treaty that's expected to be voted on in 2024 that would require 
two-thirds vote from the Senate. But that's two years down the road. Right. What we have to focus on right now are these Biden amendments to the international health rules that would diminish and take away our U.S. authority to call the shots. So if you thought Fauci and Burks were bad and the Centers for Disease Control, now imagine that going global. And so you have a guy who is is a controversial activist, Marxist, this Tedros, who was so bad in his own home country of Ethiopia, he, he covered up cholera three times in his own country. So the communist Chinese saw, hey, this is a guy who could be our spokesman. So he's been a spokesman for the WHO as the, as the director general for five years. He was just re-upped this year for another five years. So we know who we're empowering. And, oh, and he's Tedros. close friends. He's close friends with Anthony Fauci as well. With Fauci, yes, very yeah. good friend of Anthony Fauci. And Fauci stood up and said, "Oh, he's done such a great job. He's a liar. Tedros is a liar." So that's Congress- why people need to know this is serious. It, it, it is very serious. We're talking with Congresswoman uh, uh, Michelle Bachman, former Congresswoman for Minnesota. Again, now she is working as the uh, dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. Uh, some follow-ups here uh, need to be asked. Um, what is this document that, you know, you talked about the two separate entities here. There's a treaty which would require the Senate to confirm, but then this other one is not a treaty. What is it? What do we call it? And, and how are we locked into it just by the delegation? And do you know who our delegates are going to be they're going to be going to the who on behalf of the biden administration to uh, to meet in geneva and actually sign on to this right the head of the delegation is xavier bucera Bucera? he Mm -hmm. is yes he is the secretary of health and human services so presumably he will be leading the delegation however it just came out this week that he has covid so whether or not he goes i'm not sure but there will be a u.s delegation now, it's but that delegate can cast a vote, though, that would lock us into this, surrendering our authority and our sovereignty for health matters, as you described, unilaterally, essentially? There's no congressional oversight required at all? Well, it's a little murky what that process is, but the United States went into these international health rules for the World Health Organization back in 2005. So we've been in them for you know, what What would that be, 17 years now? Yeah. So there, the good news is that there was an opt-out clause. If any member nation, there's 194 nations in the U.N. that covers 99.4% of people on Earth. There was an opt-out clause. If a nation didn't agree with something, they could opt out. That opt-out clause remains. But here's the kicker. The Biden administration, we're the big dogs. We, we're the biggest donor to the UN. We we are, like we have all the weight that gets thrown around over there, and it's the Biden administration that is bringing these amendments forward. So when we bring the amendments forward, I mean that's the way that it is. There's yeah. nobody that comes close to the U.S. So the Biden administration issued a memorandum. But the law hasn't been January twenty. The, the Biden administration issued a memorandum January 26th saying they have 47 nations that have signed on to these amendments. And this would be the U.K., the EU, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. We're not talking little dinky countries. We're talking the major countries who have already signed on to this. 
Mm-hmm. So in all likelihood, it looks like this is going to pass. Now, could we opt out? Yeah, if Donald Trump was president, you bet we'd opt out. We'd be out of there. We'd be like out of the WHO of altogether like we were exactly. when he took over. Right. Exactly. But the but question becomes, Joe how Biden. do we handle, I apologize for interrupting, but Go we're a little ahead. short on time. How do we, how do we survive, um, a potential, um, nation altering order by Tedros in the next two years before we can get a Donald Trump or, uh, you know, another president who understands the threat here and get us, uh, get him to pull us out of the WHO after 2024? What, what do the American people have, um, to, to, to combat this? It appears that our Congress isn't even aware. My congressman no, is Jim no, Jordan. No. I, I had him on Monday. Uh, I talk to him every Monday and I find him to be one of the best members of Congress, but he didn't even know about this until this past weekend. So, so most of our members of Congress don't even know what's going on. Uh, they, no. it's been hidden from them. So, so my question for you is, as a former member of Congress, you know, I mean, what, what can we do as citizens to try to stave off essentially a sovereignty surrendering, um, you know, by the, by, by the Biden delegation and essentially, you know, we, we could see Shanghai style lockdowns in the United States upon the click of us fingers of a guy named Tedros backed by the Open Societies Foundation. What you just said is not that far-fetched. We could see that, something like that happen in the U.S. I also quickly want to say that members of Congress usually are the last to know. They're extremely busy. It's hard to even understand what their life is like, but they don't always know all these things that are going on. What they've been told by the staffers in Congress is that there's nothing wrong with these amendments. They're meant to hold China accountable. What they don't understand is that these amendments are never going to be used to hold China accountable. These amendments are going to be used against the United States of America. We, what we can do, there's a, I'm going to give you the capital switchboard number. It is 202-224-3121. I'll give it again. 202-224-3121. Your, your, uh, listeners, can call their U.S. senators and their member of Congress and demand that they call for a withdrawal of these uh, Biden amendments that are, it'll be, it'll start this coming Sunday through the 28th of May. Just demand that these be withdrawn. And what, what should happen is that Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the House, and Mitch McConnell, the head of the Senate, they should hold a press conference in Washington, D.C., and say, we aren't going to show up for one more vote. We're not going to do one more thing in Congress until Joe Biden withdraws these amendments. And we demand that there be a debate in the House and the Senate over these amendments. And what this is going to mean to the American people, because we're not going to give up our sovereignty, and we're not going to let the U.N. call the shots for us under emergency powers. And the other thing they should do, everyone in your audience, everyone, needs to demand that Joe Biden end his emergency powers. He has emergency powers today. There's no reason that we're operating under emergency powers. He needs to stop those emergency powers. Any governor who's still operating under it should give it up. Any mayor should give it up. We've seen that they have abused this. They destroyed the American economy through the use of emergency powers. They will destroy the world if they give emergency powers to this Tedros. 
Uh, Congresswoman Bachman, I know our time is short here, but super quick. It's one thing for my listeners and, and all the citizens to do exactly what you said and call that number and demand these things. But we don't have as much access as you do. You were in Congress. Have you spoken to some of your former colleagues? Do you have any indication that Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell or any other leadership would do what you just said? What are, What is their reaction to this when you talk to them, if you have indeed done so? Yes, their, their reaction is, hey, this is nothing to worry about. These amendments began under the Trump administration. That's true. And these amendments are just to hold China accountable because China was not forthcoming. We want to empower the director general, the WHO, so that he could make these demands and do surveillance um, it, to hold them accountable. And it's like, wake up. Look at what we have lived under for the last two and a half years. Do you get what you're doing? I'm telling you, they listen to the people who write these bills. And this, these amendments were written by the State Department. The State Department is not our friend. They're not our friend. And so th- that's where if, they if, just if, don't get it. If I can get some clarity on when you say these were written or begun under the Trump administration, we also know, and we talked about, the fact that Trump pulled us out of the WHO. How do, how do we square those two things? Well, there's a difference between President Trump and all of the functionaries that are lifetime appointees in the bureaucracy. So the bureaucracy, bureaucracy was continually trying to sabotage and undermine and cut the legs off of Donald Trump. So this was something that was presented as being a way to hold China accountable. It'll never be used that way. It'll be used instead as a sword against the United States to bring us down. So there's a difference between Donald Trump himself He's like a 1950s John Wayne American. That's what Donald Trump was no, like. No, I, 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 I get all that. But the but bureaucracy I mean, is completely different. So you're saying that that even though the President of the United States can declare the United States out of the World Health Organization and thus no longer subject yes. to any of its rules, but that there are underlying bureaucracies that continued to work with the WHO despite the President's declaration. Oh, sure. That, that wasn't true. That was true more than just the State Department. That's wow. one department of government after another. They, they specifically were working against President Trump. And almost, I mean, that happened in the Department of Justice. That happened in the FBI. That happened in agency after agency. These people don't care who the president is. They realize they're going to outlast the president. They've got their own agenda. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Congresswoman Bachman, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman from Minnesota, thank you for being out in front of this. Uh, I have no idea why nobody else got this until you did and started going on. I saw you on Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic and a whole yep. lot of other places. I wish current members of Congress would be as interested and as concerned about this as you are. But thank you for letting the American people know. Please keep up the good work, and I hope we can call on you again as these next six days of uh, 22nd through 28th of uh, deliberations uh, uh, plays itself out. I hope we can have you back on. And remember, we always have the power of prayer. So people need to be praying because God hears us when we pray. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Congresswoman, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. I told you back on Monday she was at the forefront of all of this. And uh, it sounds like there's a lot more 
to this than maybe we even realized. It's a lot more than just a, bri- a Brandon slash Biden uh, delegation. There is a lot. Uh, there are there are a lot of tentacles to this. All right, we got to catch up on our news now. We're way late. We'll be back right after this. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. Yeah, just a couple of minutes left here before I let Bill O'Reilly cap the hour and take it up to the uh, noon hour. Um, I'm 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 a little perplexed, a little alarmed, a little hopeful after talking to Michelle Bachman. Um, it's very very disturbing to understand and to learn what she said about the ori- the origin of these amendments. The amendments that we have been discussing, that are going to be discussed in Geneva, through the twenty second from the twenty second through the twenty eighth, began under the State Department of President Trump. Even though President Trump pulled us out of the WHO, she said the bureaucracy there and the machinations of the State Department and individuals who continue to represent the United States in some capacity on the world stage. She said that continued, and that's why under Biden it continues again, and or or still rather, uh, and that's why we are facing what we are. That's very disturbing to know that President Trump can pull us out of the WHO, but yet have that underlying those underlying efforts to uh, cede some of our authority to the WHO continue. That's very troubling. Also troubling is what she pointed out that this is not a treaty that they are voting on right now. This would be just amendments to documentation that we agree to as members of uh, the United Nations and the WHO. But that a separate item, which would be a treaty, would then have to be uh, ratified by two-thirds of the United States Senate. So, you know, as we pointed out, you know, 2024 is a long way away. There's two years of damage that could be done, again, with the United Nations, not the United Nations, with the WHO, and by extension, the United Nations, calling the shots on whatever is going on in the United States in the interest of health, if they determine that something is a health emergency, they can order that nation, if they can, they, they don't even have to prove it. If in the opinion of the uh, director of the WHO, Tedros, there is some health condition going on in one member country that has an, of the capacity to impact other member countries, in other words, go global, then they can order uh, steps to be taken. What kinds of steps do you think could be taken in two full years before we might get another president who might say we're out? And so is the bureaucracy underneath. We are not dealing with the WHO anymore. It is not something uh, that is in our best interest. So the answer is we don't know. We don't know what can happen between now and then, but it is something to be very, very fearful of. I'm going to give you the number that she gave, and I'm going to ask you to do your duty. I will. Call 202-224-3121. That is the congressional switchboard, I believe. 202-224-3121. Demand that your members of Congress and your senators uh, withdraw those amendments that are being debated and discussed at the WHO and end emergency powers. That's all we can do for now. We'll see you Monday. Let's go, Brandon. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.